Welcome to Let's Talk Fleet Risk, a podcast for those who manage drivers and their vehicles and want to reduce road risk in their organisation. With the rapid transition that many fleets are making to electric vehicles, I've been interested now for some time in how that affects risk management for these fleets. The vehicles are more powerful, have some unique driving characteristics and have different maintenance requirements. Plus there's recharging, load carrying and driver training to think about. My guest for this episode of the Let's Talk Fleet Risk podcast is Richard Parker, who's Corporate Sales Manager at Webfleet, part of Bridgestone Mobility Solutions. Webfleet is a leader in helping fleets understand the management processes that are needed to ensure safe and efficient operation of EV fleets. So Richard and I are going to get into the key issues that fleet and driver safety managers need to be looking at. Hello, Richard, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Simon, and uh, thanks very much for the invite. Really looking forward to this conversation. So, I mean, I'm not an expert in electric vehicles. I've, dri- I've driven a few, and there's obviously uh, areas of their operation that are significantly different to uh, operating a conventional petrol or diesel vehicle. What, um, what do you think are the key challenges uh, in risk management here? Okay, so, um, well, let's start right from the very top, which is central government legislation and just, uh, I guess, remind everyone, you know, what what some of the timelines are that are going to affect, um, you know, the businesses that are in your audience. Um, So 2030, um, there will be no more diesel or petrol vehicles sold. Um, that doesn't mean there'll be all zero tailpipe emission. That will become with um, hybrids will still be able to plug in hybrids still be able to be to- sold until 2035. Um, the other cutoff dates are 2035 for all 26 ton HGVs and 2040 for um, the 44 tonners and below uh, down to 26. So, you know, we really only got like 16 years left before we will see no longer on sale new zero um, new petrol and diesel vehicles. Um, it's also worth considering that sitting underneath that central government legislation is a number of other things that potentially will put, um, give businesses some risk that need to be managed. Um, those are things like local authority changes with zero emission zones, uh, clean air zones and, and ULES in London and the changes that those will bring. Um, there is financial reporting changes that are coming that will require many of your um, many of the audience here perhaps to rep- uh, reporting on their carbon footprint as part of the supply chain to the contracts that they hold. That's here and now today, and that's building very quickly. Uh, and then finally, I think the other one, which is you know we are all consumers ourselves, and I think especially after the last couple of years, perhaps with all the weather things that we've seen going on our awareness and visibility of of the need to change what we do to protect our climate is that much more visible. And I think as consumers, we all look to deal with more businesses that are genuinely um, looking at their sustainability and how they do business. And I think we will take that into our business-to-business conversations and expect those organizations we work with to be be truly leading on on decarbonizing their operations. So, so that's kind of the big picture thing. I think when we, when I look at an individual business and we're talking to business, I think it's it's quite easy to break it down perhaps into three key areas for risk for them. First one is operational as they're changing. Second one is financial, and the third one, but but absolutely probably to me one of the most important is the driver. Um, and and I know we're going to talk about each of those in a little bit more detail further through through this conversation. Um, but those are the three key areas of which I start to break things down when I'm talking to customers about how they might look at transitioning and de-risking changing to zero tailpipe emission vehicles for their fleet. 
Okay, great. So if we look at each of those three in turn, then let's start with operational risk. The, the capabilities of EVs are different when it comes to things like range and load capacity. So how should businesses be assessing operational requirements and vehicle capabilities? Okay, well, um, in some ways that the it's a bit not saying it's necessarily perverse, but the fact that you can't get vehicles electric vehicles very easily at the moment particularly commercial vehicles we know there are real um challenges in the supply chains of getting vehicles actually on the road is also a really good opportunity to plan and and when we look at operational and planning tomorrow's vehicle is not going to do the same job as today's vehicle and so for businesses that operational view needs to go up and say what does the vehicle actually do for our business does it need to do it tomorrow in the same way? Because there's a number of organisations I'm working with, they're actually looking at, at um, like looking at totally use of the vehicle in a different way. So going from a previously going from a large panel van where the depot um, it was a daily trip to click to collect stock to now going actually they're in a much smaller van and an EV, and uh, stock is delivered directly to site. So that, so they're looking really at that operational model and and genuinely planning how they do it differently. And within that, I think historically in commercial fleets, when I worked when I worked in the fleet sector, we very much talked about averages. So the fleet did an average 25,000 miles a year. The average payload was X. And actually in this transitioning, and that's an important word to remember, it is a transition. Not every vehicle has to go tomorrow into a zero tailpipe emission vehicle. But within this transition, it is looking at each individual vehicle where does it go? How often does it go there? How long does it stop somewhere? Is that long enough to get charging infrastructure in? What loads are we carrying? So what, what impact will that have on the range of the vehicle? You know, if you look at the weather we've got at the moment as we record this podcast, you know, in Scotland, it's minus 11. Now, the impact on range of those vehicles is significant. So again, operationally planning for those those. um the annual cycle of that operation is really key and, and understanding it. And I guess that does only come from data. You know, tr if you're going to look at things on a vehicle by vehicle basis, then you have to get hold of the right set of data that allows you to see what those vehicles are actually doing and where they're stopping. So you, most of the medium and large fleets are well on their way to a full transition now. You recap the dates um, earlier, and, and there's a number of fleets that I've spoken to where they're planning a sort of full transition to EVs, probably to be completed in the next two or three years, some of them. Mm. Um, but many of the smaller businesses don't seem to realise the amount of change that's required by this move. And you mentioned a couple of things, such as, uh, you know, governance changes and uh, and things like that. So mm. it's getting quite urgent. They need to get on top of it, don't they? It, it is getting urgent as well. And and I think, you know, we, we did mention them earlier, the changes to the ULES zones and, and, and particularly... It might not mean much to anybody who's listening, but but if not, please go and research what scope three emissions look like, because that's um, there's a number of larger organizations that as of this year are going to be required to report their 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 climate active, their climate position in terms of carbon footprint and also their activities to reduce that carbon footprint. And if you're in their supply chain, you may well get pulled into requiring delivering some of those activities in terms of reducing and understanding what you are. Uh, what you're doing. I mean, anecdotally, I did hear a story this week that there's um, a school and, and if you're a provider to that school um, at the next round of contract supply, you will have to deliver your supply in an electric vehicle. Mm. 
So there are things that are happening beyond central government that that may well require your business to to change its activities in terms of bringing on EV and things like that. Um, I guess I would also say for those smaller businesses, we talked about the larger ones and and it tends to be the larger ones we see around social media and covered in the news coverage. And, and we mustn't forget that they um, employ very specific resource to help them through this, whether it's ESG managers, whether it's sustainability managers or their fleet manager has a specific role in transitioning, transitioning to a zero tailpipe emission fleet. Um, for smaller business, that's so much harder. Just the, the pressures of keeping the business going, the number of, of people in the business that may have that kind of expertise. So I would also encourage, you know, if if you're starting to look at this, don't be afraid um, to buy in resource to help you do it. You know, some some expertise. Um, there are plenty of, of, of really good EV uh, consultants out there that will help you understand all of the constituent parts that are needed to help you successfully transition through. And that will be things like energy. Where's your energy coming from and where's the power coming from? Can you substitute some of that power requirement with solar panels on your roof? You know, how much charging infrastructure do you need and where do you need it, you know, to make the operational effective? Um, and then and that's before you get to driver training and before you get to actually what vehicle. So that's a lot to undertake for a business that that particularly hasn't potentially hasn't got the, the resource always available. So don't be afraid to 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 go and procure some of that expertise because it will save you the mistakes that perhaps other people have made in the past. And like you say, if you're not getting that expertise on hand, could exclude you from from future work. So it's really it's something that it, it is. And you know, there's also the thing I say. You know, don't you know, start now. So I think if you if you have to dig up the pavements um, on your premises to get charging infrastructure in, and perhaps even have a, you know, an increase of power um, on that on that infrastructure. But not only are you talking about a substantial capital investment of hundreds of thousands of pounds, but also if you if you get it wrong, you know this thing this sort of um, this sort of activity has to last you now for it has to future proof. So it has to be planned. It has to be understood. That takes time. Um, and also, even if you go to the distribution network operators, the DNOs now, and and asked for the for the you know your pavements to be dug up and extra power brought in you are already looking at several years lead time before that can happen. So waiting until 2027 and deciding that now's the time to push will probably mean that you miss a number of deadlines and are not able to achieve the objectives of either, either wider legislation or the contracts that you are, will keep your business running. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a massive business risk as, as you kind of outlined at the start, but you know, that, that sort of builds into the financial risk then. So we're, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about, um the, the operating costs of the vehicles sort of purchasing or leasing or whatever so you, your headline on the road costs of many evs are obviously far higher than conventional mm -hmm. diesel vehicles i think you know we all know that um so what are the considerations of uh, as far as sort of financing a fleet of evs okay um we'll, we'll go straight to the heart of it um the only way to truly assess um the the financial viability for an electric vehicle coming onto fleet is through a modeling of called total cost of ownership modeling. So in my 20 years of, of, of leasing prior to doing what I do now, um, 
you know, a number of businesses still assessed the the financial side of their vehicles based on purely what the rental or lease cost might be, including VAT or without disallowable VAT, you know, in some respects. But it was very simple calculation often. Um, and and as you've rightly pointed out, you know, the purchase price of EVs are still at this point in time substantially um higher than a traditional petrol or diesel vehicle however you know when whether you put them into your modeling or not there are a number of elements that will always cost a business money um in terms of running that vehicle and and it doesn't change under under an electric vehicle but the ratios do into between ice and and ev so you must also include fuel or energy that comes into it and is a big part service maintenance and repair because we are finding at the moment that you know the service and maintenance pair budgets of an ev are running at about 40 percent less than that of an ice vehicle um i will caveat that the, the potentially the the the, the vehicle off road times for evs at the moment are slightly longer probably about so a service will take two days instead of a day, for example, um, in terms of the vehicle off-road time. But in pure financial terms, it's less. Um, energy um, is less still uh, through depot charging. I don't know, it's, it's a bit more fluid than perhaps it was uh, 12 months ago. But um, certainly with home and depot charging, you know, energy prices are still less than than the pump price for, for diesel. Um, insurance needs to be built in for it. Um reclaimable VAT, any writing down allowances, there's a number of different elements that actually when you stack them all together, bringing an electric vehicle in on financial terms does make sense still. And it is cheaper and can be cheaper than running the ICE vehicle. But you have to get past that upfront cost piece and start assessing it on a total cost of ownership basis. Yeah, um, you, I think the the final one that you would also build in as well. Again, geographical rev- relevance comes into this, but also don't you know don't discount the costs of operating in London, for example, with a zero emission vehicle versus nice vehicle, and and if you're running something that's not Euro six compliant or less that or or above, that could be costing you thirty five pounds per day to go into London in an LCV. Now that soon adds up um, to quite a lot of annualized cost if. Uh, for a nice vehicle going into London as well. Yeah, you you touched on sort of fuel use and and energy use uh, yeah. in that, and obviously with a petrol or diesel vehicle, we know where we are. You know, you, if you put fuel in it at your local petrol station, um, it's slightly cheaper than if you fill up on a motorway services, for example. And a d- driving style can can maybe have sort of I don't know ten percent difference in in fuel efficiency. Mm-hmm typical but then so what effect does uh does that have what are the variables involved in electric vehicles from that point of view because from my own experience it seems to be much more uh, much more uh difference between the the lower and higher limits of cost it costs on recharging yeah uh it's 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 quite a broad and complex um co- complex area i mean let, let let's i mean let's try and simplify it for a starters okay in so much as that the constituent parts for running a fleet haven't fundamentally changed. You know, you have got the purchase price of, of, of and the write down of running that vehicle. You've got the fueling costs, whether that's energy or petrol. You know, those those haven't changed, and therefore, actually, whilst the measures look different, 
the principles behind it haven't and they haven't changed um there's, there's some new terminology but but effectively you're still looking at fueling a vehicle and howing when it goes in i suppose the difference the big difference of course uh, that we are now seeing that which which will affect the risk and is a risk to fleets is is when and where and how long it takes to charge that vehicle um and there is cost cost differences you know um charging at home on a seven kilowatt charger if you've got a 70 kilowatt battery as i've got in my vehicle then you can look at 10 hours to charge that car and i'll pay a rate a domestic rate that makes it relatively cheap and i say relative we know pricing's changing on on, on energy costs but it's still relatively cheaper to do that but if i'm out on the road and i want to when i want to plug into a 50 or 150 kilowatt charger you know the, the rates at the moment are ranging from well, 40 40 48 pence perhaps up to i know that there's there's one um charge point operator that's just dropped theirs back down to 79 pence per kilowatt hour you know and that's that that becomes quite potentially quite uh expensive for the fleet to run if that's if that's the way they're doing but it is also a balance between the rate of charge and the cost of charge so that that does need to be factored in um and then there's the other side and, and the other one side of that that um energy conversation and then there's no being no different with with ISO or with as it is with EV now is is just how the driver's right foot affects the the performance of that vehicle and and you've mentioned it briefly um before about the fact that this is technology changes and you know an EV has regenerative braking you know and for anybody out there who doesn't know effectively you know the vehicle has a technological capabilities that if your right foot behaves in a certain way the kinetic energy from the vehicle will be put back into recharging the recharging the batteries that drive that vehicle so you can really get some real additional efficiency from that from that vehicle by using it and i guess what we're seeing in some of the um some of the customers that are working with that they're, they're not quite getting that education piece right with the commercial vehicle driver um a a car driver an ev car driver in this in this current age is still invested in understanding the technology that is is underneath them and the fact that it is actually now a piece of technology with four wheels it's not a mechanical instrument with four wheels it's a very different driving experience to to anything that's gone before but they're investing in understanding that and getting the most out of it and what we're seeing with some of the commercial vehicle drivers and this is where it comes to risk for the organization bringing them in is that they don't have that level of ownership they don't have that level of investment of understanding what it is that they're now driving and so we're seeing some right foot behaviors that can really damage that total cost of ownership model that's being used to bring the vehicle in. Um, and it can also affect the operational model because if they don't get it charged, that vehicle can't do its tasks for the day that's being planned in, then of course that affects revenue for the organization and, it's, and it potentially has reputational risk if they can't complete jobs as well. So yeah, it's um, it, it's a really interesting time of change for for fleets but again come back to one of our early bits around planning you know planning to bring what vehicles in but also planning how you're going to run the fleet how you're going to have the conversations with the drivers how are you going to train them before you get the before they get the keys to the to the vehicle to ensure that you're you're, you're minimizing the risk of change into those into that new technology 
So, so we've, we've got drivers using technology that they're unfamiliar with, and we've got businesses yeah. getting to grips with these new challenges that are uh, they're going to have to look at, such as route planning and work scheduling and loading. It's all different with an EV than it is with an ICE vehicle. So mm. how will the business operating environment impact on the driver? Because if they get that wrong, that's a lot of stress on the driver, isn't it? It, it it's really weird actually um because because obviously the business a business can always put stress on a driver by asking them to do too many jobs in a day i mean we see that now in in ice vehicles don't we it's one more job and and it leads to and and invariably we see that as leads to the risks that that certainly driving for better business trying to eradicate as well which is which is all the the speeding and the you know the and the the harsh driving events you know a lot of these things come as a result of of a driver perhaps under duress to do that and that won't be any different in an ev uh, because if the if the business doesn't plan well for its daily requirements and the daily jobs you will still force that into the force that into the equation however what i would say in in, in sort of in the in the opposite sense to that is we're actually seeing that driver well-being and and driver behaviors are improving in, in in evs and one of the reasons for that is because they're actually easier to drive so if we think about some of the ways that we have to operate at rush hour and the amount of time we might be on a, in a manual vehicle pushing the clutch up and down and everything and, and what that does to you and how you get stressed Actually, in an EV, there's none of that, and it's a really nice environment in which you're sitting in as well. You know, these vehicles are all new for starters. You know, they're, they're, they're really the technology has made a massive difference in terms of how comfortable you are in the vehicle and 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 the and the driving position. And then you've got no clutch; it's just it's just an accelerator and a brake. So actually, we are seeing, um, albeit it's quite anecdotal at the moment, less accidents in um, less accidents in EVs than we do in ICE vehicles, because actually I think the driving environment is a bit better, or is a lot better. So, yeah, so there's a an improvement in the, in the so long as they're not overworked, there's an improvement. It, it, yeah, and, and that comes, yeah, you're right. And it comes back to the, it comes back to the business about, you know, understanding the job management and the job planning in the day and what can be done and, 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 and being realistic about that, um, you know, and, it, it's it's not there for us, but you know we're really cognizant as well. Like like a lot of what is going on now is really early stages in in a, in what is a huge and significant transformation of how we move and and move goods and and do business. Um, you know, and for our part, we've got um, we're quite well down the down the track on some really significant changes into the way that we help businesses. Um, adopt practices for um, how many jobs a day they're going to be able to do. Where are they going to charge these vehicles based on a number of factors of whether it's private depot charging availability or having to use public infrastructure charging to make the vehicle work, you know, and all those kind of things. So, you know, we're under, under, under a, quite a drive ourselves to make sure that we can support our customers and as they transition and move through, through all this stuff as well, because, at the moment, I think it's fair to say that many businesses who are taking on electric vehicles are taking on what I would consider to be the low-hanging fruit. You know, which vehicles can easily do every day's work with either home-to-home or depot-to-depot charging infrastructure. I don't think we've really reached yet the challenge of having to really understand how a vehicle that has no access to home charging, no access to depot charging, 
is actually going to fulfill its operational requirements in that you know in that way and and going back to your bit about stress on the drivers if that's not easily achieved then the stress does go on the driver because actually you know having to go and find a charge point and then finding out it doesn't work and you've got virtually no range left in the vehicle could be a hugely stressful um, experience for the driver and one that actually puts them off everything else that is good about that experience about driving an EV. So, you know, we're, we're under, under, under no illusion that, that the sort of things that we do as an organization are going to be hugely impactful as more and more EVs come onto fleets, you know, in terms of their operational planning. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of, one of the things we're driving for better business, we're constantly telling fleets they've, they've got to sort of measure and monitor what they're doing and data mm. is a key part of that. And obviously with Webfleet, your whole business is around the day understanding and, and acting on the data that comes out of yeah, your yeah. system. So how similar is the data you have to work with on EVs? Because it's going to be really important with that total cost of ownership model that they, they're they able to sort of set quick baselines and see whether that's yeah. a good baseline or not and take action quickly to improve fleet efficiency. So how, yeah. how do they go about doing that? Okay, so um, I think it's really easy in this day and age to to just bamboozle people with huge amounts of data thinking that that actually achieves something. And I think certainly what we're trying to do is almost, I'm not saying strip it back, but actually there's, there's two things. One, make that data provision insightful. Okay. Because, you know, we've already discussed the difference between medium, large fleets and smaller fleets and that, that, that time resource pressures that people have. So if people are, are time resource poor, then, they haven't got time to be going through reams and reams and rows and rows of data to hopefully find the piece of information that's going to make a difference to them that they can act on. So the first obligation is to get data to be insightful. And sometimes for us, certainly with a couple of clients, we've, we've stripped that down to a, to, a, to a couple of lines of data because they can then, those couple of lines of data, if they can, so for example, if we were to strip back um, in terms of driving risk, across whether it's EV or ICE vehicle, and strip it back to right, we're just going to concentrate on speeding and we're just going to concentrate on idling times. The speeding is risk, you know, um, idling is financial, but those two elements are really easy for a whole business to get their head around what exactly is going on that's providing risk financially and operationally to, to that fleet and can message it down through the whole organization right down to a driver level so every business understands. But it comes with an underlying message that actually the business is looking at what the drivers are doing and they're going to manage what the drivers are doing based on those criteria. And as a result, what we tend to find is that um, the improvements happen in all the other areas that would traditionally be managed as well, like harsh braking, harsh steering, um, you know, um, sort of aggressive acceleration all of the driver behaviors that also provide risk start to come back down simply because you've simplified it and you know that the drivers are, the drivers know that they're being managed so so going back to this ev conversation it's, it's no different we're having a look at where are they charging up and and for how long some of those behaviors and boiling it down to a couple of really simple metrics that allow them to have a conversation with the driver that the driver can get their head around and understand and make the changes that improve the business. Um, so again, very, you know, we said it before about the complexity and actually 
it, it can be as complex as you want it to be. But if we want to affect change with people who perhaps aren't as invested at this stage, like a van driver or, you know, somebody who's been told they're having something rather than choosing to have it, then then we need to simplify it and make it easy for people to to understand and make changes. Yeah, I, I think there's so much for fleet and driver managers to get their heads around uh, with this to to manage that transition effectively and to get the maximum benefit out of using a fleet of EVs. So uh, I, I think you're, one of the points you made earlier was that if you haven't started, you need to start yeah, now just, or, yeah. or it's going to be a problem. So it, it, I mean, it's just start. Go, go and dip into the – there's lots of there's lots of really good um, monthly webinars. You know, it doesn't take much of a search – you know, just to start drip feeding that information into your into your organization so that you you can start to understand some of the things that are going to be um, required of you in the not too distant future. Brilliant. Richard, thanks for being my guest today and talking us through all of those challenges. Thank you, Simon. Really appreciate it. If you manage drivers and their vehicles and you face similar issues to those discussed in this podcast, there are links in the show notes to some useful resources on the Driving for Better Business website, and these are all free to access. If you enjoyed the conversation, please don't forget to hit subscribe so you know when the next episode is released, and please also give us a five-star review as this helps us to get up the podcast rankings and makes it more visible to others who might also find it useful. You can follow us, that's Driving for Better Business, on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. And most importantly, please help us to spread the word. All our resources are free for those who manage fleets and their employees who drive for work. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Fleet Risk and I look forward to welcoming you to the next episode. Brought to you by Driving for Better Business.